last few years, it doesn't seem like policy limits have increased with the price of building. So I've, I've had a lot of houses that were insured for X and that would have worked great in 2019. But now in 2022, the cost to build your house is nowhere close to what it was four years ago. Welcome to the Fine Home Building Pro Talk podcast, a regular discussion with building industry professionals. This is Fine Home Building Contributing Editor and Production Manager at TDS Custom Construction, Ian Schwant. Today, I'm joined by insurance industry professional, Josh Zoller of UP Adjustings in Hastings, Michigan. You can find the Fine Home Building Pro Talk podcast and the original Fine Home Building podcast at finehomebuilding.com slash podcast. You can leave feedback and ask questions there too. So thanks for joining me today, Josh. No problem. How's it going today? Good. So you uh, you came to us via asking a question to the regular podcast about your house that you're building that we'll, we'll get to in, in the latter half of our talk. But you are, you are proof that we have listeners out there who yeah. communicate with us that we communicate back to. Yeah, I was, uh, I was surprised by the expediency that you guys replied to my question because you, you had asked for questions. And I was like, well, I'm building a house and I'm, I should probably ask them some questions. Yeah, it, pro- it proves that we're out there uh, receiving and sending emails. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your background and how you got to work in the insurance industry. I don't think that's on the uh, short list for most people when you're, you're picking your occupation in high school. No, and I can't say that it was for me in high school either. Um, In high school, I took some drafting classes and wanted to be an architect. So I took a couple classes in that at the community college here in Lansing and realized that that was not what I wanted to do. Um, And at that time, I was working at Menards, which is a home improvement store here in the Midwest. And did that through end of high school and college and realized that that's not where I wanted to work forever either. <laughs> so I figured I should go go to college and get a, get a degree and uh, went to a local college here in mid-Michigan called Olivet College. And at orientation, the uh, insurance uh, main professor was my person to talk to. And she said that the insurance program had 100% job placement. <laughs> and I, and I figured... I might as well get a job after all this is over. <laughs> so I started taking classes and I think it was the first year they had a state farm uh, catastrophe adjuster come in and do a presentation. And I thought, well, that sounds nice. Like you don't have to sit at a desk all the time. You get to be out, but you're, you're, you're a professional working in the industry that that could be a good option. So I graduated from Olivet with a bachelor's in insurance and risk management and uh, got a job with a, an insurance company working in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And then from there, moved to another insurance company uh, working in Lower Michigan. And now I'm uh, an independent adjuster where we work for multiple insurance companies. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I got started and where I'm at now. What's some of the other college courses that you have to take for uh, for that type of a program? 
Uh, so I mean, it we had to do you know the standard business. It's a business based degree, but there you kind of get the whole gamut of insurance where there wasn't a lot of claims uh, courses, but there was uh, underwriting, um, marketing, just standard business type things, but just how the insurance policy works. And it's a lot of the industry courses were what our college courses were. So there's designations in the insurance industry, like all industries. And we took those courses through college. So what do you do specifically as an adjuster and how does that relate to existing homes or other, uh, other projects that tradespeople work on? Yeah. So as an adjuster, when someone submits a claim for damage to their house, we receive that claim and then we go out and assess what happened, what caused the damage, what the damage is, and then how that damage should be repaired. So it can range from simple things like a toilet overflow to big things like a 36 inch diameter oak tree fell on the center of someone's house and totally pushed it over, um, or fires or whatnot. So, um, so seeing how things can go wrong for houses, uh, and then listening to your podcast, it kind of gives me the perspective of, Oh, this is why this is happening. Why they're seeing, you know, water intrusion in these areas. Um, that type of stuff. So when you go out to one of these homes that maybe has an oak tree that fell on it, you know, how are you going about assessing the the value of the damage? What what are the steps that you take when you're taking a look at a structure that's had something like that happen? So on the the more major claims, we'll bring in experts to determine uh, structural engineers to determine salvageability or repair plans but i'll work with the contractor of the homeowner's choosing to determine what a viable repair options are and then the cost we use an an estimating software called exactimate that's pretty standard in the insurance industry um, that has pricing for each each area of the our state each area of the country and that's what we use to kind of determine pricing so it's pretty similar to like what the auto industry uses for determining the cost of a, a vehicle repair? Yeah, it's a standardized system that most insurance restoration companies use the same system. So we're we're all operating in the same, same ballpark and using the same numbers for the most part. And then when you get into more technical uh, areas where it doesn't fit in the box of the estimating software, you have to work with the contractor. Get agreed. So what, ty- what types of contractors are you working with? Are you working mostly with contractors that specialize in uh, remediating those losses? Or are you getting to work with larger contractors that do remodeling and other uh, kind of general building work? So I would say it's predominantly uh, restoration comp- contractors. Uh, but you do, there's sometimes people, people get to choose their own contractor. So if, if they have a local contractor that is available, that's been the main thing the last three years is availability. Um, the insurance restoration contractors are there for insurance works where 
most of the rest of the contractors have been booked for months. Right. So it's been hard to get a, a standard general contractor. And is uh, home industry or homeowner losses most of what you work on? That's predominantly what I work on now. I've handled commercial losses in the past and farm losses in the past. And, um, those can get pretty interesting when you get into some of the, the farm farm losses now and they can get they can get pretty big. Sure. And are most of those like natural disaster related? I mean, we have uh, tornadoes and things like that in the Midwest. So we, we don't have some of the other natural disaster profiles, but is that the the vast majority of where those losses come from? Probably. Um, we've had a couple hailstorms this year in Michigan. The hail can be a big one and it can keep you very busy. Um, on the grand scheme of things, water seems to be a major one, um, either from plumbing or roof leaks. That probably is a big one if you take out natural disasters. Then you get fires from, seems like a lot of electrical fires. Um, but you can get fires caused from a a bunch of different reasons. I recently had someone, their, their dog started a fire. Um, <laughs> it was a first for me. So <laughs> what, what would you say are the, the most common human caused losses that you see in residential buildings? It's usually related to water, either somebody not cleaning out their drain when they should, or forgetting that they they plugged their drain and then turned on their faucet or they left their garden hose on outside their basement window. Um, that as far as human caused directly it's water and then unintentional or unintentional human cause is just design and the way things are made and the quality of some of the products that are installed in houses. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. I think that's a, it's an interesting part of, buying homes and building new homes that some people don't realize the the difference in materials. But what, what have you seen from out in the field in terms of resiliency that, that really jumps out at you? Yeah. I mean, if you, if you put in a lower quality fixture, it seems like that's where we see a lot of our failure points when it comes to plumbing losses is, uh, not enough quality in the, the part that was used or um, we get a lot with just design of some of the way, I mean, I get a lot with roof pitches where roof pitches come in together and then people have leaks because you kind of, the, the way it was designed didn't, didn't really make sense um, for the functionality and the shedding of the water. Um, and then just some design features and uh, and it's probably more of a quality thing with appliances as well, like parts failing and then leaking. And then there's no, there's no backup plan. If something doesn't go right, where's that water going? There's no, there's no backup. Are you seeing more installation of some of these monitoring pieces of equipment that I know some insurance companies are trying to get? Uh, not just homeowners, but also contractors like the one I work at that build uh, homes and additions where they want us to start putting in uh, some of these home monitoring pieces for water and, and other sort kinds of damage. Yeah, those are definitely trending in the right direction where there's you know sensors that you put in your utility room that tell you if, if your power's out or your sump pump's not working or if there's moisture. Um, 
I usually don't see those as much because I get the ones where they didn't have it and then and then the damage did happen. Um, but that is something that's definitely happening on the positive side of, of more proactive steps to prevent prevent damage. Do you ever see any uh, construction related uh, losses or damage to homes that you have to go and evaluate? Yeah, occasionally, um, probably the most predominant one is is shingles being installed in colder weather and then the hmm. shingles not sealing correctly. Um, it allows debris to get in between that sealing strip before it has the chance to adhere. And then you can usually find, uh, you'll usually find shingles blow off during much lighter winds because the shingles weren't sealed rightly or correctly. Um, it's mainly, mainly roof issues where th- the shingles were not installed correctly, um, high nailing uh, or in the proper weather conditions and then not sealed. Um, you get the occasional uh, uh, finished carpenter puts a nail through a plumbing piece of PEX <laughs> or copper piping that was in the wall. But those are not usually too bad, but sometimes you do get them where, you know, it's just been slowly leaking over the course of 15 years and, somebody finally sure. steps out of their bathtub and falls through the floor because it had been <laughs> dripping for that long. So it's not common, but it does happen. So how did you get your education in some of these building systems? Was that like you learned as you went and saw things fail and got to have a better idea of how they go together? Yeah, that was, that was a big part of it. Um, Menards actually had a great training program for their <laughs> associates of of what all the stuff they are selling is for and how it's used. So that was that was a great education tool. Um, there's actually a pretty good program out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I think it's at Fox Valley Technical College for insurance adjusters, and it goes <laughs> through. They have multiple different courses. They're all, I think, a week long that go through the building materials, how a house is put together, and it gives you that quick synopsis of what a house is and how you put one together. And then, uh, but the hands-on, you, I mean, I think I've, I've looked at 40 roofs already this week. So it's one of those <laughs> things that you're just in a lot of situations where you see things and you see how things are and then you see where they've gone wrong. And um, the hands-on is where you learn a lot. So give us an overview of how you put a cost value to the loss. I know you mentioned the uh, exact mid software that's common in the industry, but I got to think on occasion when you have to work with like a contractor, like the one I work for, I've worked for in the past. I, I bet there's a pretty big spread sometimes between what you're coming up with a cost value and what a contractor is telling you it's going to cost. No, there, there's definitely times where the repairs don't fit into the box that Xactimate is. And my, but the story I like to tell people is the second claim I ever handled as an adjuster was up on an Island here in Northern Mission called Drummond Island. And it was a Frank Lloyd Wright designed house. So as you can imagine, Frank Lloyd Wright houses aren't a common house. Um, (laughs) So it was quite the, uh, it was quite the learning experience of, all right, this, this, 
the way this house is constructed is nothing like what is in this system. So right. there was a conversation with the contractor and it went more time and expense where this is what they have to do. Um, so it's a lot of conversations with the contractor of how, what needs to be done. Does that make sense? What you're saying needs to be done and what my, I know as far as building practices go and my other experiences with other contractors. So it's just, it's just working with people and coming to an agreement on, all right, this is what it should be. Here's your expenses. How long should this take? And then figuring it out from there. What advice would you give to a, a regular builder who doesn't do insurance work, but maybe they've got a long-term client and, and now you're going to show up and, and try and tell them what it should cost? What, what advice do you have for the builder to, to help get them through that, uh, through that scenario? I mean, adjusters are just people as well. So we have to look at it from a perspective of someone else is going to look at this file who probably doesn't know much about building or why things cost what they do. So we have to document more than the pro- they probably do for a normal homeowner who's just willing to pay their, their rates. So just try to be reasonable and have a conversation with the adjuster if you run into that situation. Uh, I would think most of us are reasonable people. And uh, the last thing I want to do is just knock you down on price. I'm trying to get to an amicable solution for everybody. And if you can explain it to me and it makes sense, then that's great. Um, and there's times where we, we, we do run into it. I know a builder I worked with a bunch before. Uh, he wanted more out of a job than standard pricing. And we agreed to disagree. And he said, he's like, in order for me to do this job, it's going to cost this. I know you're not going to be anywhere close to this because you can (laughs) like, but for me to do it, it's going to cost us. And sometimes that's the case where the homeowner wants a certain builder who doesn't specialize in that. And so for them to do it, it just costs more. And we just, there's times where that happens and the numbers aren't going to work out, but that's, just having a conversation usually usually figures things out in typical cases that extra cost falls back to the the homeowner right like if they want a premium contractor to fix the house that's ends up being on them right it can be and in all reality that's that's pretty rare that that happens i mean i've i've handled thousands of claims and that's probably happened maybe five times um that's not common. It's, that's when you have, uh, yeah, a specialized contractor that, you know, doesn't really do that type of work, but the homeowner really wants them to do it. That's that's not a common. Ninety nine percent of the time, things work out and the prices line up, and there's no additional out of pocket to the homeowner. That's that's a lot better percentage than I would have expected. Uh, I've only worked on. I think two insurance jobs. Uh, one of them was a tornado that went through Connecticut. And uh, I just remember my boss at the time having just the, the most difficult time trying to push our costs through the system. And uh, that's why I was wondering if there was any like different kind of documentation or something else that you're looking for from contractors. I guess I'm, I'm equating it to when I've had to do certified payroll jobs with a municipality where a municipality is that kind of third party that's looking for that, that extra amount of uh, information in the file. 
Yeah, I mean, it, I can't say that that has happened a lot to me. And maybe there's other adjusters that aren't as reasonable, um, and so they they or they don't understand the application of a builder and how how things are put together and they stick strictly to the box that Xactimate is maybe that could be um yeah it's because there definitely are adjusters that aren't aren't as well versed in building and how things are put together i know i've worked with plenty of them that had zero experience um with building and how things were put together so (laughs) but having that conversation and building that relationship with a person that's that seems to be the best if you can talk to them and have understand where the other person is coming from, which is I'm sure most business it seems right. to, seems to be the the way to solve the problems. So tell us about the house that uh, you're in the process of designing and building for your family. Yeah, so I, I probably watched too many Build Show Network videos and listened to too many uh, uh, fine home building podcasts and unbuild it podcasts. Um, my wife is probably not happy with how deep I've gone <laughs> on some of these things. Um, but so we we sold our house a few years ago and have a lot here in the town that we live in, and we were planning to build in 2020 and. Um, like everyone probably knows, prices <laughs> kind of went through the roof in yep. 2020. So we've been exploring our options of purchasing versus still building. And prices for purchasing is are also much higher than they were right. a few years ago. So we've just come to the realization that if we want a quality house, we're just going to have to build it. And prices are higher. And that it just is what it is. Um, so we've we've decided with a builder, and that's been a process in and of itself to find a builder that is aware of building science and familiar with it. Um, even the builder that I've we've chosen, um, when we have conversations, he's like, "I learn something every time I talk to you." And I was probably because I. <laughs> I listen to too many podcasts about it and whatnot but it it's been uh quite the process just to find somebody that's aware of building science and that is looking to build functionally over aesthetically Hmm. so so what uh what's the overall design of the house and you just said something about uh functionality over high high high-end design work what what kind of uh design do you guys have going on for your house so i i designed it because an exactimate we can sketch houses it's not <laughs> build, it's not build level but it's i can i can draw some rooms and put a roof on it um so i wanted to keep it simple um i wanted a straight uh hip roof with no nothing no valleys no as little penetrations as possible uh, I wanted the house to be pretty much a box, uh, no hallways. I tried to keep things efficient. I, w- I was trying to keep all the plumbing in the same area. So that way, if there's a leak, it was all in the same area. Um, I'm, I'm trying to talk to the plumber to see if we can put some drains in some places that probably aren't normal. But if something leaks, <laughs> it's got a drain to go down instead of yeah. going all through the house and uh, all of that. So... Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's been a lot to learn 
as far as the building science and what is really necessary versus what is not. Um, but I think we're on a good route with this builder and the plan. Um, we've got two by eight T-stead walls. We are probably going to go with warm board, uh, radiant in-floor heating. Um, so, and then trying to air seal as best as possible. But it's it's been a learning process. And well, yeah. What did your contractor think of uh, T-studs? I'm guessing that's something that... Uh, you probably don't have a lot of T-stud using contractors uh, in, in central Michigan, right? No, we don't. But surprisingly, that's one of the reasons we went with this builder is he was already, he already had a contact at T-studs and they were starting to build houses huh. with T-studs. He, he used to build houses with exterior insulation and that was standard for him over zip system. Um hmm. So now they're going to T-studs with zip system on the exterior. So not not zip R, but just standard zip on right. the exterior. So he he was familiar with that already. So that was one of the reasons we ended up going with him. So what is your, your wall assembly is going to be the, the T-studs and then zip sheathing on the outside? Yep, yep, yep. So no exterior insulation, but it will be... Uh, I think we're going to uh, open cell blowing, blown in foam for the walls um, with just standard drywall on the inside. What have you selected for your window options? That's always a, a tough one in the, the high performance homes, trying to pick out what windows you want. Yeah. So that uh, is something that I'm trying to probably upgrade more than what the builder had selected. Um, and I'm, drawn a blank on the name of the the windows he had chosen but they were a north star maybe mm-hmm. um out of out of canada and uh right now they're pricing out a marvin option that's a triple pane uh at my request so hmm. marvin because it's something that is available to that builder or just something think, that that they're familiar with that's yeah so i i, I didn't have another window that I was preferable to. So I asked them what their other, the other windows they've worked with. And Marvin was Mm. one of those. So why did you decide to go the high performance home route? Why not just find a builder who can build, you know, the, the normal type of house in, uh, in the Midwest. I would like to have a house that my kids can use. Um, I don't want to have to, redo things down the road uh from a function standpoint um i also like the idea of having the lower utility bills the house is designed so it'll be zero step from the garage into the house masters on the first floor laundry's on the first floor everything we'll need for the next hopefully 30 plus years is all there so i want a house that is what we need for the rest of our lives and not have problems with uh, the way it was built or designed and then have it. So we have low costs once it's paid for uh, going forward. How has your contractor been to work with on the mechanicals end? You know, that that's a tough one. When you get into the high performance homes, you get into some of these loads that uh, don't quite match up to your typical uh, HVAC system. 
Yeah. So luckily he is familiar with Radiant and in floor. He's used uh, a Gypcrete system where it mm-hmm. versus Warmboard, but he's familiar with the Radiant. So that was beneficial. Um, working with him on the ERV and the dehumidification, uh, that's something that was newer to him. Uh, so we've been, I've been pushing more for some, some things. I think I, the last meeting we had, I said, I, I think we need a Zender system or something there about <laughs> similar. And he goes, I'll have to look into that. Um, <laughs> because it wasn't something that they had put in a house before. So sure, I'm probably a guinea pig for him because he, they are trending towards higher efficiency, building a better house. So they are going that direction. So they had looked at warm board and wanted to do it, but they hadn't found anybody that was interested yet. And I sure, I'm, I'm the sucker that's interested. <laughs> <laughs> Does your state have any uh, incentives or kickbacks to homeowners or builders who want to go above and beyond the, the kind of energy star model? I think so. I haven't researched it too much yet. Um, it's been a it's been a busy work year this year for me. Um, so, and I've got two little kids, so I need to I need to do a little bit more research in respects to that and see if there are more. And I'll talk to the builder once we get moving to see what our options are for that. So, what what are the features that you've designed into your home that are inspired by some of the uh, disasters that you've seen? You mentioned throwing some drains in. Uh, where maybe they wouldn't normally be. Uh, so talk a little bit about how how you've kind of worked some of these long-term uh, safety things into the design. Yeah, so uh, as far as safety goes, um, there's we'll have the standard uh, fire prevention in the in the utility room uh, somewhere near the electrical box. There will be something in the in the kitchen over the stove they have lots of options for that uh as far as functionality goes from my adjuster experience is simple roof design um trying to keep our appliances in an area where if they things do leak they are isolated and they have a way to, to drain um so if that's hopefully that's putting a drain under in a floor underneath um, of our appliances, our laundry appliances, and our kitchen appliances. Is that something that you've seen a lot of other houses have, or are you no, kind I've of never, seeing the I've you're seeing seen the what happens when you don't have something, and then are you going back and trying to find out? Hey, is there a is there a pan that goes under a washer so that if there's a leak or the washer fails, it's got somewhere to go? Yeah, it's, it's I haven't seen things done right cuz usually the the houses that do have things done right, they don't if something does go wrong, they've prevented the the damage and so I don't I don't right. go to those houses. Um uh and speaking to some of the plumbers I've worked with, they they've told me that, you know, throwing a drain underneath these things is not that difficult and you just fill it with some RV antifreeze or something to prevent those sewer gases from coming back up. Um to me, logically, that makes sense because there shouldn't be a big cost there uh, just to try and prevent some loss. And I don't know. It might be overkill. 
Yeah, it might be overkill, but it, I think you you made a good point when you're building the house and you have the plumbers there, you have all that sunk cost of the tradesperson already doing the project for you. So if, if because of your work, you have this knowledge of you know, little things that you can do to, to make it better, why not do it, right? That's kind of been our thought process. And that's kind of why we decided to go with the warm board system is one of them. It's we're building a new house. If we, right. am- if we amortize these costs out over the 30 years we anticipate living here, really nominal. So right. some of them, it, it just makes sense to just do it on the front end and you know work a little bit harder to pay for them. What other challenges have you encountered on the project? You mentioned your wife is she just kind of been going along with some of this stuff, uh, just yeah. taking your ideas in stride. So luckily, I think I I hit the lottery with uh, spouses and building a new house because she's had two <laughs> two requests. She has only two requests for the house. It needs a pantry, and she wants gray trim. <laughs> Other than that, she doesn't want us to spend a fortune and she wants, you know, the standard things that wives would like in their house, like a nice laundry room, nice bathrooms. Um, but other than that, she's, she's been, she's not too picky. So I, I probably am lucky in that aspect. What does she say when she, uh, walks into your office and you got another episode of the build show on or something like that. And, and they're showing off the next, uh, super expensive, high-performance material. Yeah. It's, it's, she usually just shakes her head when she sees me doing that, but she's had some interesting reactions when we've been meeting with the builder and I go on a diatribe about whatever building science topic and she's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> she's like, you guys, I don't even know why I come to these things because you guys just talk about this stuff that I don't know about. Tell me when I need to pick out fu- fixtures and I'll be here. <laughs> Have you had any issues with uh, your municipality as far as uh, design and engineering stuff that you're going to have to do? You mentioned you kind of did the design yourself. That that usually works with a municipality up to a certain point, and then they start to push back on you. So luckily, we live in rural Michigan, and we live in a township that uh, I had one of the builders that I talked to that for obvious reasons, you'll you'll soon hear why we didn't go to him, go with him. Uh, he said that, oh, in this township, we can just draw it on a piece of paper and submit it and they'll be good with it. <laughs> so uh, so we haven't we haven't had any issues yet with the the township and I, we'll have stamped plans. So I'm, I'm sure that'll be fine. It's it, that's one of the perks of being kind of rural is uh, you don't have all the, the hoops to jump through that you might in a bigger city. Yeah, I had the kind of the same experience in designing my my home in Wisconsin being very similar to where you are, uh, just a township. And I think I did it all on SketchUp uh, and didn't have to have anything stamped and turned it in. But what uh, what advice would you have for individuals and businesses uh, that are trying to minimize their insurance costs? I mean, as far as costs go, I I don't have a ton of recommendations there. It's kind of one of those things you get what you pay for. Um, if you want to pay less, you're probably going to get less coverage. But 
in all in all honesty, I've never been on the sales side of insurance. Um, as far as what you probably want to look at your policy for is that there was a couple things that came to mind of if you have a basement and especially if it's finished, you'll want to look to make sure you have some sewer water backup coverage. Um, that's one area that I see people not have adequate coverage in. Um, if you operate any kind of a business out of your home or a detached structure, you'll want to double check that you have coverage for that because sometimes that can get sticky. If you're operating a business out of your pole barn, I've, I've seen claims <laughs> denied because it says clearly in the policy, they don't have coverage for that. Um, and then if you have outbuildings that are in excess of what your limit is, because that's a set number based on the amount of your house, you want to just double check that because if you have a massive barn and a tiny little house, your built-in number won't be sufficient for for that. So those are just a couple of the things that I thought of that I've really seen issues with. Um, that, then again, in the last few years, uh, it doesn't seem like policy limits have increased with the price hmm. of building. So I've, I've had a lot of houses that were insured for X and that would have worked great in 2019. But wow. now in 2022 the cost to build your house is nowhere close to what it was four years ago. Um, and so in those situations, it's, it's, you have a, you have a set limitation on what you will get if you have a total loss. And if you haven't made changes to what that is, like you could be out, you could be out a little bit of money. So is there anything that you want to ask the, the audience, uh, high performance building wise, or just general suggestions for your house? Yeah, I mean, I, I, we're we're still technically in the design phase. Ground has not been broken, so we still have <laughs> opportunities for changes. So, um, I don't know if you can if you can link the plans to the this episode. Sure. Um, I'm fine with that. Uh, we try to keep it straightforward. Um, uh, we there is the plan for a concrete deck on the covered porch. It's going to be an elevated concrete deck. Um, so any, if anybody's has experience with that, I'd love to hear what anybody's done with that. Um, any tips for, we're going to heat the garage. So dehumidification, um, any tips for, for that or any of the, mainly the air sealing and, uh, mechanical, I'm not well, super well-versed in those. So any tips anybody has, I'd greatly appreciate those. Cool. We'll, we'll link your, uh, plans that you sent Patrick and I to the the podcast page and we'll see if patrick can uh bring any of those questions on to the regular show awesome well josh thanks for taking the time to join me today thanks to all of you for listening please remember to send us your comments questions and suggestions to fhb podcast at taunton.com please like comment or review us wherever you're listening helps others find the podcast thanks everybody